Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And I would say good morning here on Birds 365, but then I'd be just lying to most of you diehard Birds fans, right? We'll we'll get through it. Uh, The long, cold, and that's both literally and figuratively, offseason has begun. Final score, 32-9. to Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Philadelphia Eagles. And to be truthful with you, it wasn't really that close. That was domination. That was ugly. That was not a way to end the season. We got a lot to talk about here on Birds 365. It's usually Mac and Mac. Johnny Mac on his way back from Tampa. If he gets on the plane, if I were Johnny Mac, I wouldn't get on the plane because it's too cold to be back up here. Stay down there in Tampa, Johnny Mac. No, we need you back here tomorrow. Bill Colomurlo, Mr. Power Hour here with me for uh, two hours of Eagles destruction. That's what it's going to be after last night's game, Bill. Um I'm trying to find the silver lining in last night's game, and there just isn't one to be found. Um, the the thing that jumps up at me more than anything else is the brutal tackling that the Eagles had. Eagles did about 476 things poorly last night, but nothing was worse than the Eagles tackling, and it is one of the most important things in football. It's something we probably don't talk about enough. Had you seen such a poor display of eagle tackling in a long time? I haven't. And I tried to remember the last time there was an Eagles defensive performance that bad, an Eagles defense that looked this bad. And I think you have to go all the way back to when Andy Reid experimented with his offensive line coach as the defensive coordinator in Juan Castillo for us to look back and say that we had a defense this bad. And look, tackling is effort. Tackling is hard, and you come out in a playoff game 
where the message all week was it's a new season. We're going to respond now. Now it's our chance to play. We've been coasting for the last few games, but this is our season now, the playoffs. And they come out and they perform like that on defense and they tackle like that on defense. It looked like a team that gave up. And then you go over to the other side of the ball, Jody. I cannot believe that Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson put on that type of display. I'm not absolving the players. We could talk about Jalen Hurts in a second, but I was actually making jokes all week about you have a quarterback with a dislocated finger. You're out your number one wide receiver, A.J. Brown. You ran for 200 yards in week three, and I was making jokes saying, oh, well, the Eagles will throw the ball 40 times. They come out in the first half, they ran the ball five times, and they threw it 21, what was it? It was 26 plays. He had 21 pass plays, five running plays. They open up the game with two really good runs, and then on third down, let's come out in an empty set and not even make them think we're running the football. I just couldn't believe that that was the game plan last night. I couldn't believe that, once again, they had no answers for the blitz. Joe, I can't believe we're sitting here talking about, and we're going to get into it, if Nick Sirianni is the coach of the Eagles next year. I mean, what a change. It was a little over 300 days ago that we were a half away from winning a damn Super Bowl, Jody. Feels like it was an eternity ago. Yeah, an eternity, exactly right. And, oh, by the way, if people want to get mad because I'm going to harp on something that I usually harp on, I texted Bill Calarulo last night in the first quarter of the game, and I said, oh, okay, your defense can't get out of its own way these days. They just can't play for 92 different reasons. They're having trouble defensively. So let's win the coin toss and put our defense out there first. Yeah, that's a smart way to do it. You just ran down the numbers of the run-pass ratio in the first uh, 26 plays of the game. Maybe it had something to do with the fact that they immediately let the Bucs go down the field and score a touchdown. Then when they can't do anything offensively after the two successful running plays and three not good enough pass plays, let's let the Tampa offense go right back down the field and stick in the end zone again. They're down 10 nothing Before you can blink, they're down 10 nothing And I think that surely affected the play calling. If they had confidence, if they believed in themselves, they would have stuck to the run. They didn't, so shame on them for that. But part of it is conditions of the game. And they were down 10 zip. Why? Because their defense stinks. So let's get our defense out there first and foremost. Let's show the the absolute just devotion to analytics. Because analytics says you must defer if you win the coin toss is crap. It's just total crap. And I had to call on my CBS Sports Radio show this weekend. Some ad, uh, analytics nerd going, you're wrong, Jody. I have to disagree with you. You must uh, do what the analytics says. No, you don't. No, you don't. You have to take circumstance and situation into consideration. And with the Eagles defense being as bad as it's been, you have to try and alter your line of thinking and your game plan. And Sirianni didn't do it last night. Uh, I don't know whether he's going to get fired. I said last week here on Birds 365, if they lose, which, oh, by the way, they lost convincingly, which adds to it to the Buccaneers, I think it's a 50-50 split. I think it's a coin toss. I think there's just as good a chance Nick Sirianni is fired in the next 24 to 48 hours as it is that he stays. Even if they would have lost, like you said, it was how they lost. It's how this team collapsed down the stretch. And I can't believe it. I got to admit when I am wrong, 
the one thing I loved about Nick Sirianni going into this season is all oh, the great culture this guy builds. You know, how, how much this team looks together and can battle adversity. And even Jalen Hurts, we talked about how great of a leader Jalen Hurts is. I don't see any of that from either one of these guys. It looks like Sirianni's completely lost the team. It looks like Jalen Hurts has checked out from the quarterback position. I mean, you look at him on the sidelines, and what we used to think was so great, how stoic this guy was, it looks like he's disinterested. Looks like he he's not talking to his players. He's not getting his teammates getting riled up. I, I don't know what happened to this team, but I'm just waiting for all those articles maybe the inquirer is going to hit us with some more stuff something's going on with this team it's more than just the fact that they lack personnel on defense it's more than just the fact that they've played a few bad games there is something seriously wrong with this team and i think we're going to start to find out over the next few days yeah i got a tough time getting on Jalen's case for his uh sideline demeanor he's the exact same as he was last year when, when, when he was runner up mvp nobody goes Oh, he shows no emotion on the side. What is he doing? No, of course nobody said anything because they're very good because they were going through the Super Bowl. So now this year we look and go, oh, my God, he doesn't show any emotion on the side. That's not good. If he's the same, he's the same. So we're judging the result, not the behavior. And I think we should stay uh, but you know what, the Jody, same though, on that. For me, it's – I talked about how I used to think this team could really battle adversity. You know, Jalen can battle adversity. Sirianni, such a strong culture, they can battle adversity. But now when we go back and we look over the last three years, when have they faced adversity, Jody? They, the first year, they had no expectations. So they start the year two and five. It's a new starting quarterback with Hurts. It's a brand new rookie coach in Nick Sirianni. Really not much adversity because no one expected anything from them. And then last year, they just steamroll through everybody no adversity, go all the way to the Super Bowl. This year, the first time they face some adversity, the San Francisco 49ers come in here, punch them in the mouth, dominate them, and this team crumbled. After that game, we haven't seen any life from this team. So, look, Sirianni doesn't call the plays from the way it looks, although there was that article yesterday that maybe he is calling the plays, but Sirianni's not necessarily calling the plays. He's not a defensive coach, so what does he do? He is a CEO-type coach. And when you see a team completely check out like this, that's that's got to be on Sirianni. I mean, this is his job to keep a team together, to keep a team wanting to play. I just can't remember a team that has declined this fast, this quickly, and not only in wins and losses, because sometimes wins and losses can be deceiving. We were deceived the first 11 games when they went 10 and one, mm -hmm. but it's not just the fact that they went one and six down the stretch. It's how they did it. It looks like a team that has zero faith in their coaching staff, zero faith in one another. And that's why I can't imagine. And I can't believe I'm even saying this because two weeks ago, I would have said this was crazy, but I can't imagine you run it back with Nick Sirianni after what we just witnessed over the last few weeks. Well, if they run it back it's good, and Sirianni stays, is going to be with a whole new coaching staff. I can guarantee you that. There's going to be massive changes to the staff. Could Sirianni save his job? Possibly, yes. Uh, but there will be massive changes. But your point about culture is right on, uh, Bill. That's what comes to the forefront when you face adversity. And you're right about the first year adversity. Well, they did face adversity when they were two and five. And uh, the coach said, 
maybe I just need to hand off the play calling and uh, I'll go to the CEO coach position. And it worked for him. So you can't just dismiss that. But last year, there was no adversity whatsoever until a uh, questionable call on a James Bradbury pass interference in the, in the Super Bowl. And they couldn't get over that one. And then yet this year with the adversity they faced over this last month and a half of the season. You're absolutely right. That's where team character is supposed to. That's where culture is supposed to come through. And they showed a complete and utter lack of it uh, for the last m- month and a half. This was bad. This was ugly. And here's the other thing that I think we need to keep in mind, and it will keep us busy here on Bird Street 65 all off season. This was a complete and utter team loss. Other than a few, and when I say few, I mean few, individual players, Devontae Smith, yeah, I'm looking at you, um, they all came up small. Offense, defense, certainly coaching, and sorry to say there, Mr. Front Office, Howie Roseman, this roster wasn't good enough. It, it should be better than losing six of seven. No one's going to argue that. But when you step back and take a look at the big picture, the the Cunninghams of the world, the Morrows of the world, the Robies of the world, the Byards who we gave up draft picks for, the world, they came in and didn't perform. They didn't play. This was not a, a, a roster that you could say should go to the Super Bowl. We were banking too much on guys who were here the year before and had big years and you knew there was a chance there'd be a little regressions to the mean. They couldn't afford the regression to the mean. So this was a complete across-the-board team loss, which means we're going to have a long offseason here in town, Bill, because they got a lot of changes. Howie's not going anywhere, so I'm not suggesting Howie Roseman should be fired, but Howie Roseman can't be doing any victory laps this offseason because he didn't give them a good enough roster as well. Especially when you look at the defense, and you're talking about some of the defensive players. Howie Roseman, that defense is on him. Sean Desai didn't do a great job. Matt Patricia did a horrendous job. But at the end of the day, you look at the roster on the defensive side of the football, you have to blame Howie Roseman for ignoring the linebacker position, trying to piecemeal those important positions with guys that nobody else wanted. We talked about this before. Now, they bring in Nick Morrow, who the Chicago Bears were more than happy to say, sure, take him. We'll take TJ Edwards. We'll upgrade our linebacker that you had last year. Take Nick Morrow. Pittsburgh Steelers, they had Terrell Edmonds at safety, who started for them for five seasons. Mike Tomlin said, sure, take him on a cheap one-year deal. We don't want him. Turned out he didn't even last in Philadelphia. Then they had to make the move. Before they even made the move for Kevin Byard, they brought in Justin Evans, who's been on IR his entire career. Where was he last night? On IR. They had to bring in Zach Cunningham in the middle of training camp because they ignored the linebacker position. And you could go up and down that defensive roster trying to piecemeal different players in different positions. And not only because of the decisions Howie Roseman made this offseason, but if you go back over the last few years and you look at the defensive draft picks that Howie Roseman has made, and I'm not including the rookie class, maybe these guys will grow into really good players. It's too early to know. But when you have Super Bowl aspirations, you can't rely on that many rookies. What we needed was our second year, third year, fourth year defensive players that you drafted who are still on their rookie contracts so you can afford them under your salary cap contributing. And there is nobody outside of the defensive tackle position with Milton Williams and maybe Jordan Davis if you think he's a player. There is no one on the defensive side of the football that Howie Roseman drafted that's still on their cheap four-year rookie deal 
contributing. None of them. And that well, is the and, problem. And Jalen Carter. I know, I know you know Jalen Carter, but uh, Carter yeah, I'm not including this year's rookie class. Oh, because, oh, yeah, yeah. You said no rookie. Yeah, you, right, I don't right, think right, if right. you have Super Bowl aspirations, you can't you can't go into a season with Super Bowl aspirations. And say, okay, we're going to get Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Keeley Ringo, Sidney Brown, Eli Ricks, and have all of these guys carry your defense. Sure, it's great when you can get rookies to contribute a little bit, and Jalen Carter was a great rookie this year. But look what happens. They hit the rookie wall. If you're going to try to go to a Super Bowl, you need those second, third, and fourth-year players contributing. And everyone on that defense, with the exception of Reed Blankenship, who was, was undrafted. Say, that, that's where I was going. Give me yeah. a read on Reed Blankenship. Because last night, he was not in the lineup, and I think too many people underestimate that all week. Maybe it was just wishful thinking that he was going to be good enough to play. He didn't practice all weekend, and shockingly, of course, he didn't play. Shouldn't have been shockingly. We should have known it. They just didn't make that official. Nick clung to his competitive advantage there. He decided to tell the world that A.J. Brown wasn't playing two days in advance, but for some reason, they kept re-blanket-chip cards close to the vest. He's like a key guy to the Eagles defense. And he had a good year. He had a very good start to the year and he kind of dropped off as the year went along. Is he like the man of the back seven? We're talking about the back seven. I got issues with Slay. I got issues with Bradbury. I got major issues with Devontae Maddox. I know he's always hurt and he comes back and he works hard to get back. But then he gets back and he's not good. He wasn't good for any of the three games since he's returned. They have to address the entire back seven. Does that include Reed Blankenship? Yeah, it's a tough question because you mentioned Avante Maddox always hurt. My concern is I'm hoping Reed Blankenship isn't a guy that's always hurt. We've seen him get dinged up here and there the last two seasons, but it's hard to say. I still think we need a bigger sample size. If he's next to a stud safety, Maybe you bring him back. But the problem is, is you had Reed Blankenship back there with Kevin Byard, who clearly has lost a step, maybe two. You mm -hmm. have James Bradbury getting toasted on the outside. So it's hard to sometimes judge your safety when everybody else in the secondary isn't playing that well. So I think you have to bring back, back Reed Blankenship next year because you look at this thing. I was looking this morning, Jody, at how many free agents this team has now and how many questions they're going to have going into the season. I mean, I can't see them moving on from Reed Blankenship when you need a safety next to him. You need to figure out what you're doing at the linebacker position, really both linebackers. Does anyone, do we want to go through the whole offseason on the N'Kobe Dean train again, saying N'Kobe Dean's going to carry this defense? I mean, that's what people were saying all offseason, that a guy who played 34 career snaps was going to be the savior in the middle of that defense. And look how that worked out. So they need to figure out, their linebackers, their other safety. Got to figure something out with James Bradbury. You can't cut the guy. The The dead cap hit is way too high to cut Bradbury. But, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about Blankenship, but clearly the experiment with Avante Maddox at safety didn't really work out last night. And the very interesting part of it is Howie Roseman doesn't like to spend at safety or at linebacker. He spent at corners and neither one came close to living up to the paycheck they got in a capped world. That could be deadly, and it was for the Eagles this year. But he's going to be forced to. He has to. He doesn't have a choice other than to upgrade linebacker and safety. And much like N'Kobe Dean, now he's in a better pl place than N'Kobe Dean is because you noted N'Kobe got 
30 some odd snaps for his entire rookie year. Sidney Brown played a heck of a lot more in his rookie year than uh, Nicobe Dean did, but he was really hit or miss too. He made some really good plays, a 95 yard touchdown return, which was basically like catching a punt. It wasn't that great a play. The quarterback threw it right to him. He made a great run with it down the sideline, took it to the house. But Sidney Brown missed a whole bunch of tackles this year, too, and was out of position a lot this year. To to defend him a little bit, they played him out of position. They're playing him at slot corner. Why do you do that? Oh, because it's a mirror position. Baloney, it's a mirror position. Um, So I don't even know what Sidney Brown is. He's part of what you have to bank on going into the future. And I don't know how confident I am in that. How about you? You know, that's why when I'm talking about how you can't rely on all rookies, you expect Sidney Brown to make mistakes. He's a third-round draft pick. You expect Keely Ringo to make mistakes. He was taken in the fourth round. These guys need to grow. And my concern is both sides of the football, not only these younger guys on defense, but you look at the offense. Is this coaching staff good enough to coach these guys up? You look at offense, every single player on the offensive side of the football, every single one, regressed this season that's coaching you look at the defensive side of the football they lost not only Jonathan Gannon but a lot of people were upset when they lost their secondary coach Denard Wilson look what happened to the secondary so are these coaches good enough to not only coach up these veteran guys but more importantly the Sidney Browns Keely Ringos Eli Ricks are they good enough to get these guys where we need them to be because, man, it's I, I just keep going back to I cannot believe that we almost won the Super Bowl less than a year ago. And the realization is now setting in that how far away are we from being a contender again? When that clock struck zero last year at Super Bowl 57, as upset as I was, I kept thinking to myself, OK, they have a great roster, great franchise quarterback, good young head coach. We're going to get back. We're going to get back. And now you sit here with the realization that the season is over and all of these question marks, when are they getting back, Jody? That's what's making me the most upset right now. We'll find out the first steps in that very long journey over the next couple of days. And uh, I hadn't thought about Denard Wilson in a couple of days either. Man, I wish I was flying the wall when the conversation was going down between Siri and Siriani and Wilson, when he decided not to make him the defensive coordinator Again, uh, judging by some very good reporters and what they've been able to uncover, it sounded like Denard Wilson, although very disappointed, was willing to stay and be their defensive back coach. And Nick said, yeah, I just don't think that will work. Another great decision by Nick. Walking papers. Yeah, that's one of the problems. with The one thing you can say about Nick Sirianni that's not good is his ability to evaluate other coaches I think he's pretty poor. As per Johnny Mack, the Eagles absolutely wanted to hire Jonathan Gannon. They hired Gannon before they hired Sirianni. So he doesn't get credit for Gannon, even though he knew Gannon and, and certainly gave it a thumbs up when he found out he's going to be his defense coordinator. It wasn't like he chose him. Shane Steichen is the one guy that he's hired where you go, damn, that was a smart move. I, I could go into the litany of guys thereafter that they've hired that haven't gotten the job done. And the Eagles gave him that latitude to have a big say in what the coaching staff was going to be. And Nick Sirianni failed that test pretty significantly. All right, he's Bill Calabulo. He's in for John McMullen today. I'm Jody McDonald. Coming up next is our usual day after game guy. 
Early on, we talked to Jeff Kerr from CBSSports.com. We'll do that today, even though it's going to be the last after game Jeff Kerr appeared. Oh, we're going to have him on play during the offseason. I can guarantee you that. But it's not going to be an after game Jeff Kerr appearance for the next eight months. Now, think about that. Eight months before our next re- regular season Eagle game. A long, cold, tough winter is before us. Jeff Kerr will try and heat things up for us next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Three sixty-five here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We appreciate all of those of you who streamed in. Yeah, we'll be here all season, so you got to keep streaming in. But this is the first, last show we'll be doing after an Eagle game for a long period of time. 
We appreciate Jeff Kerr for hopping on with us almost every single Monday. We made it Tuesday this week because of a uh, Monday night game, a Monday night disaster. Jeff Kerr, let me start here. The Philadelphia Eagles lost because feel free to go wherever you need to. You name a reason, Jody, I'll give you one. Uh, you know, offense was pathetic uh, pretty much the last five weeks of the season. Um, really the last seven weeks of the season. I mean, they're, they're the first team since the 86 Jets, and you know that 86 Jets team well, Jody, to lose six of their final seven games after a 10-1 start. And that 86 Jets team won a playoff game and probably yeah, They, they been, won one before yeah, they and, bowed out. And, and honestly, Jody, they should have went to the AFC Championship game if we're going to talk about uh, sports history. But I had the vibe something was wrong with that team. Something was seriously wrong with that team. And, you know... Uh, John McMullen and I, we, we've heard things all year. But when you win a game on Christmas after a three-game losing streak and the games they had, and you have, like, no emotion, it felt like a loss, you knew something was up. Like, something was seriously up. It's like, okay, all the, all this stuff you're hearing is starting to be put together. And that's when I knew. But their defense, they couldn't stop a lick before Matt Patricia. And changing coordinators that late in the year never works just because – even if it's the same system, it's still a different terminology. It's still a different mindset. So you got communication. They were complaining about communication issues before Matt Patricia. So can you imagine what happened after that? Uh, really, the only – honestly, the only coach right now I would consider keeping are Michael Clay and Jeff Stallard. The, the rest, it, it's just been a cluster. You know what? This team has been terrible – the last seven weeks of the season. They have been the worst team in the NFL. When you're when you are losing to the Cardinals, the Giants, the Seahawks with backup quarterback, you get blown out by Baker Mayfield and the Bucs. Again, and the Bucs were a hot team going in the playoffs, but the Bucs aren't world beaters. I mean, really, you should have lost by more than 32 and 9. I mean, this is an abject failure, an abject disaster for this football team. Changes are coming, guys. They better, Jeff, because that was frustrating to watch. And, and we talk about a lot the last seven games. Everyone's talking about this collapse of the last seven games, which was epic and historic. But really, if we take a look at the whole 18-week season, there's been something off with this team from week one. And we kept ignoring it because they were finding ways to win. But they really haven't looked great, especially on offense. Even though the final numbers would tell you they still finished with a top 10 offense in terms of yards. Something just looked off. And yesterday, how could they come out against this team knowing that Todd Bowles is going to blitz the hell out of Jalen Hurts? He does it every time he plays Jalen Hurts. And once again, every single time the blitz comes, they're running verticals. They have no answer for the blitz. Or they're running curl routes against man coverage. What is going on? Is that on Nick Sirianni? Is that on Brian Johnson? Or is that on Jalen Hurts? What are you seeing when they have zero answers for a blitz that all of us knew was coming? As someone who coaches a sport where talent trumps everything, I will tell you flat to your face, Bill, talent is the biggest issue. Everybody goes, well, okay, they're running verticals. They don't have a hot read. They do have a hot read. It's it's not there. Look what was on the field last night when you took A.J. Brown out of the equation. You had Devonta Smith and old Julio Jones, Wes Watkins, who's 
flat out stinks. I I I I talk Quez, I talk to Quez a lot. It's just not good. It's you don't have the talent at receiver. You don't have the depth at tight end to actually do anything about. Oh, and by the way, you don't have the talent at running back either. I'm sorry. You, you don't. Everybody loves DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift was a thousand yard rusher this year. DeAndre Swift was a really good running back for them. Just did not get the ball enough. He didn't. And he's not that great at blitz protection. Near is Kenny Gainwell. But Kenny Gainwell's better than him. That's why he played. Boston Scott was essentially useless this season. The offensive line, I saw a lot of problems on the interior, particularly at right guard, uh, most of this season. I'm not saying Cam Jurgens is going to be an issue long term. I don't think so. But I saw the issue. Jason Kelsey did not have – Jason Kelsey was a first-team All-Pro and didn't have the dominant Jason Kelsey year that we're all accustomed to seeing. He didn't. Maybe that's why he is – strongly considering retiring, if not retiring. Uh, he's officially retiring. I don't know if you saw it yet today, at least as per um, Adam Schefter, that he told his teammates. Yeah. I mean, he hinted Friday. That's probably going to be the case. But, again, I just don't see the talent that everybody else sees on that offense. And talent trumps coaching any day of the week. Oh, by the way, the coaching is worse than – the coaching didn't maximize any of this talent. That's why Brian Johnson likely will not be back. That's why Nick Sirianni likely will not be back. When you have, I'm just looking at it all season. When you have Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, you got to be better than what you put out on the field. Dallas Goddard, you have an offensive line with Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, Landon Dickerson, Jordan Mulata. You got to be better than what they put out on the field, and and they didn't. It's to me, it's. Am I concerned about the routes they run? Yes. Am I concerned about the direction the offense is going? Yes. But, look, these guys, they they work 18, 20 hours. They know the blitz is coming. They absolutely know the blitz is coming. They don't have an answer. Bottom line. And you're putting that more on on the talent? You don't think that it was Sirianni or Brian Johnson? You well, think- what, what, what talent did you see on that field last night, Bill? That's what, that's what I'm telling you. What talent did you see on that field? Because I didn't see it. I haven't seen it all year. Oh, by the way, you didn't have your best receiver, a top five receiver. I so- am, I'm blaming everybody. It, there isn't, oh, this players, coaches. No, this is everybody. Every single person on this football team deserves blame to that. Everybody. I'm not on this fire Brian Johnson crusade because he's going to probably get fired anyway. Yeah. I you got to change the players in that locker room, too. You do. Oh, there's going to be changes in the players. I, I think we're all uh, zeroing in on the coaches right now. I said this to Bill in the first hour. The back seven. John and I have this conversation all the time. He gives the front four, a.k.a. five, six, seven, eight, because of situational substitutions, a lot more slack than I do. I think the defensive line has struggled significantly this year. But we all acknowledge the back seven has been brutally bad. If you're going to move off Bradbury, which is going to be very difficult because of his contract, but how do you how do you put him back there after the awful year that he had? Who knows what's going to happen with Slay? A, he's scheduled to make a lot of money. B, he didn't play all that well this year. Not as bad as Bradbury, but his contract may be an issue. Their safeties, their linebackers, they need to redo the whole back seven. 
That that's pretty bad. That's a whole lot of work, Jeff Kerr. How do you replace a back seven? I, I, you know what, Jody? That's going to be one of the mysteries of the all season, right? Because yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, it, Slade probably isn't back. Bradbury probably isn't back. You're going to change up the defense anyway. That whole defense is gone um, in terms of coaches out of here. So you're right. Kevin Byron ain't coming back. Um, Katie Ringer and Eli Ricks are going to be back because, you know, they're going to be there. They're, they're cheap. But who knows what their future is? Who knows if they fit whatever they're trying to do? Reed Blankenship. Cindy Brown's going to be out next year. They got to overhaul the linebackers. It, oh, uh, Jody, it, it's starting to make my head spin what they're going to do, but they're going to have to do it. I mean, you can't get worse than the 31st and 32nd ranked defense over the last 10 weeks of the season. That's how bad they were. Yep. They had no chance to win that football game last night. Absolutely no chance if you just looked at raw numbers. You mentioned James Bradbury not coming back. The problem is, I'm looking at his contract now. He's got a $17 million dead cap hit in 2024. How the hell do you get out from underneath that contract? They, what do they do with James Bradbury? No one's going to trade for him. No. Well, no, he's pretty much useless. You're, you're going to have to eat the money. I mean, honestly, if you want to get rid of him, you're going to have to eat the money, or you just kind of keep him around next year. And I don't know what they want to do that. I mean, you just benched the guy for Kidley Ringo and Eli Ricks last night. And James Bradbury, early numbers coming in, four or five, 118.8 passer ring, one touchdown, should have been two. The incompletion was the drop by Mike Evans. Um, yep. James Bradbury, James Bradbury's Eagles season was reminiscent of the Eagles defense's fall. It's, it almost was like as he went, they went. I would make my decision on Bradbury in a set. And the problem is you don't have a coach. Uh, we'll see if Sirianni stays, but you, if they do make ma mass, uh, massive and drastic changes, you would lean on the coach. I, I, I'd have faith in how he's doing it to a point, but somebody's just got to look in his eye and see if he's going to, in his exit meeting, and say, you realize you suck this year, right? You realize we gave you a whole bunch of money this year, right? You realize you didn't earn squat this year. What are you going to do about it? How are I you think going to be better next year? I think James Bradbury does, in fact, know he was not good this year. I okay, well, but I want to – much like what's going to happen with Sirianni over these next 24, 48 hours, what's your answer? H how do you rectify this situation? And if I don't like what I hear, yeah, I'm with you, Jeff Carr. I'm eating the $17 million. I got to move on. Now, if he can really convince me and explain to me why he had this massive drop-off, then maybe I hang on to him and we'll see if he can actually do it. Maybe end up cutting him next year in training camp. Who knows? But he's here during the offseason. If I like what I hear, if I believe that he will work hard during this offseason to rectify what was a god-awful season. Otherwise, yeah, I'm cutting him. It's a bad pill to swallow, $17 million. But it's if you don't believe – if you believe he comes out and has the same exact season next year, which would you rather do, take a $17 million dead cap hit or watch him have the same exact awful season. I can't watch that again this uh, Oh, yeah, Jody. So I would put on my NFL GM cap here. And again, I'm not a front office guru by any means. But the post-June 1st cup will be very beneficial because you could spread out that cap for two seasons. So maybe that's what they do. Right. They could spread it out over two years. Um, how do you think these next 24, uh, 48 hours play, uh, Jeff? We know there's going to be a meeting between Roseman and, and Laurie and Sirianni. 
And we've seen before that these meetings are all important. It's what caused Doug Peterson his job. Uh, the Eagles uh, weren't going to fire him. They were a week late to the party joining the, we need to find ourselves a new coach because they didn't pull the plug on, on Doug immediately. It was after he had a meeting with Lori and Lori didn't like what he was hearing. He didn't have the answers that he was looking for. And we found out after the fact that they were infighting about the coaching staff. Will Nick Sirianni give Laurie the answers that he needs to save his job? I think he'll give him the Nick Sirianni type answers, but I don't know if that's going to help him at this point. I mean, Jeffrey Laurie fired Doug Peterson three years after he wants to go all. He fired Andy Reid, who in my mind is, if not, he's a top three coach ever, you know, at least in the modern era. And he fired him, you know, so. Did you have a problem with when he fired Andy? I, I thought it was time to move on. It, it was you? time. No, it was time. I thought Andy needed to change the scenery. So yeah. I had a problem with that. But if you're going to say it, like, it's almost like saying the Cleveland Browns fired Bill Belichick. You know, they once fired him. You know, he ended up being greatest head coach of all time. So, yeah, it, I mean, sometimes you do need to change the scenery. And Andy Reid was clearly better at second stop than he was with the first. So, but it just goes to show you, Jeffrey Lurie is not afraid to fire anybody or anything. And I, I was always under the impression even if they got blown out in this wild card game, that there were going to be offensive and defensive changes on both on both sides, and the Eagles were going to pick the Nick Sirianni's coordinators because they Nick picked these guys. Nick picked the current guys that were there. I'm not so sure Nick survives this because, like this whole team, it's just talking to players, talking to team sources. Look, players can stick up for Nick all they want. It's not good. Like, it's there were problems Nick Sariani could not get this team out of. I mean, how's a team that went 27 to 3 in their last 30 starts at Jalen Hurts all of a sudden just boom? Like, they, they just collapsed. It's like they fell off a cliff. So, I mean, this is one of the rare years where there are a lot of good coaches available, whether, whether they're first year head coaches, whether they're experienced like Jim Harbaugh, Bill Belichick. If you believe there's an upgrade over Nick Sirianni, and there is, I think you have to, you have to, you have to make the switch. A lot of fans, you just mentioned Bill Belichick. A lot of fans are throwing out that name, Mike Vrabel. But when you look at Jeffrey Lurie and you look at his history, he doesn't like hiring retreads, and he doesn't like hiring defensive coaches. Nick Sirianni, offensive coach, nobody knew about him. Doug Peterson, offensive coach, no one really knew about him. Andy Reid. Offensive coach, nobody really knew about him. The only shiny object that Jeffrey Lurie ever went after was Chip Kelly, but he was also an offensive coach. I guess you'd have to go all the way back to Ray Rhodes for the defensive coach that he hired. Do you see, if they move on from Sirianni, that Lurie would change his philosophy and not only hire a defensive coach, but hire a retread like a Mike Brabel or even a Bill Belichick? I don't think the Eagles have hired a retread. I can't remember the last time they hired him. Uh, I'm just going back in their franchise history. Uh, Aaron Campbell wasn't a retread. Dick Vermeil wasn't a retread. Buddy Ryan wasn't a retread. Uh, you might have to go back to the '60s, I, and I don't even think I don't even think they hired one then. I don't think I don't really think the Eagles have ever hired a retread head coach uh, ever. So uh, the guy I I think just based on the Eagles' history, who they should look at is Bobby Slower if they go that route. Kyle Shanahan, Nick Sirianni does not like Kyle Shanahan and his minions, but look what Bobby Slowick did with Brock Purdy, with C.J. Stroud, and look how he's calling plays this year for D'Amico Ryans. It may only be one year, but that that would be the guy 
I'm targeting number one if they go that if they go based on their history. Mike McDonald, I would like too. I uh, they just don't go after defensive head coaches. Uh, maybe Nick Sirianni thinks there is more talent in that building than they realize, and I mean, sorry, Nick Sirianni, Jeffrey Dorn, and Howie Roseman. So they go. Maybe we do try to bring in the Jim Harbaugh here because even though Jim Harbaugh's a West Coast guy and he could coach Justin Herbert, we're a more stable franchise and we have a top five quarterback just like the Chargers do. But we have talent, and we're going to give you full control over the fix-it. Maybe they do that, but the guy I'm looking at, first and foremost right now, is Bobby Slover, if they choose to fire Nick Sariani, which is not a given yet. Slowick makes a lot of sense. Let me give you one other name, and I'm just suggesting this, not uh, going to bat for it. How about the guy who got Baker Mayfield 335 yards last night? He, he's going to be a head coach someday. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be this cycle, but I like to think it's it. Yeah, I think Canales could be a guy who gets some consideration, and he fits the the mold of what the Eagles like. Offense, young, different, has only been a coordinator for one year. There, there are some things there that fit the profile of the Eagles. He's got uh, a personality, too. He's got a pretty active social media account. He's got a couple. Really? I don't oh, know oh yeah. Like, you know, he'll tweet stuff like, you know, Bucks win or stuff like that. He'll just tweet, like, certain things. Or I think one time he tweeted this year, how about that Baker Mayfield? I'm like, ooh, okay, Dave. I, I like it. All right, we'll see how that plays out. All right, so we found out this morning that Jason Kelsey told his teammates in the locker room after last night's game that this is it. I could do a 180 and turn around and they could try and talk him out of it. But as of right now, Jason Kelsey has decided – to call it a career, and it's an all-time great Eagle career. The other two veterans last night who combined on a sack, that was maybe the highlight of the entire game from an Eagle perspective, the B.G. Fletcher combo sack. Um, Both are question marks as to whether they're going to be back with this team. B.G. did say after the game last night he'd like to come back for one more season. You know that uh, Fletcher would love to finish his career in Philadelphia. And to to uh, try and define Fletcher Cox and his contract negotiations with the Eagles over the years. I think the Eagles have taken real good care of Fletcher Cox. I think that he's been paid and Fletcher was probably the most consistent, not the highest end, but the most consistent defensive tackle on his team or uh, not defensive tackle, defensive lineman, including the edge guys. He was probably more consistent than everybody else. I want to give Fletcher credit for the season he had, but, they're going to be in a cap spot where they're not going to be able to pay him maybe even what he's earned with the kind of season he's had. If BG's back, I think BG will come back for a cap-friendly deal for the Eagles. I'm not sure Fletcher will because Fletcher has always seemed to get what Fletcher deserves or Fletcher wants from the Eagles. Do you think Fletcher Cox is going to be back as an Eagle next year, Jeff Carr? And Fletcher Cox definitely can earn 10 to 12 million in market value this year. I mean, that's how impactful the player is. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Fletcher Cox called it quits. He just flat out retired. I don't know if you think he's going to retire. Uh, I know he considered it last year. Um, I, I didn't think he'd go through with it, but I would have been really curious to see what would happen if the Eagles would have won the Super Bowl last year. Cause I think Fletch would have, I, I know he at least thought about it. Um, but you got 10 million reasons to play football and you're still playing football well. I, I don't know if Fletch is going to be back. I think he should be back. 
I think he's good for that locker room. I think he's good for those young defensive players, which, by the way, a lot of them like him. They love him, and they love BG. So I, I would like to see Fletcher Cox back, but I agree with you, Jody. I just don't know if Fletch would want to come back, if the money's going to be right, if Fletch is ready to call it quits. I know BG wants back. Um, you know, he, he even told Rob Ellis and Derek Gunn, like, two years ago, he wanted to play 15 years, and he wanted all 15 to be in Philly. So I think BG will do whatever it takes to come back here. Um, for one final year, his farewell tour, as he calls it. Uh, Fletch, not sure. I know Lane Johnson will be back. Again, uh, the Jason Kelsey stuff, you heard rumblings about him potentially retiring, but nothing definite. It's like, hey, you know, he's still 50-50. But it does look like that's going to be final. But, yeah, to answer your question, it's – I think Fletcher Cox is the biggest wild card in the whole equation. Yep. Yeah, crazy. Really an end of an error with the three – Three guys who have played the most games in franchise history may all not be here next season. But you look at that that edge, and, and we're talking about bringing Brandon Graham back, potentially. He didn't play as many snaps, nowhere near as many snaps this year that he did last year. And then, obviously, they move on from Derek Barnett, and we can debate whether that was a good move. I think it was. Barnett didn't do anything here. But they lack depth on the edge. So even if you bring back a guy like BG, who's going to give you maybe 25, 30% of the snaps on the season, are we thinking Nolan Smith is going to step up next year? Did we see enough from Nolan Smith down the stretch with this Eagles defense that he's going to be able to step up and help out on that edge because sweat hit a wall. Hassan Reddick's still a good player, but there's another player we got to talk about now that I mentioned Hassan Reddick. He's in the final year of his deal. There was some chatter. He wanted a new contract. At the start of this season. And that's so where all the problems go- started, by the way, Bill. That's where a lot of their issues started. So, yeah, it's a it, it's a good question. It, it, you know, is Nolan Smith the guy? Do they go add some free agent help there? Um, do they draft another edge rusher? Uh, I don't think Nolan Smith got the opportunity, uh, personally. Uh, whether he deserved it or not is another story. But I don't think they trusted Nolan Smith enough to play him like they did Kaylee Ringo and Eli Ricks later in the season. Uh, but then again, I never judge defensive ends and edge rushers after year one. Brandon Graham was didn't really do much in year one. Either. Um, a, a lot of guys don't. Uh, you know, e- even the great ones. Like, um, Aiden Hutchinson had a great year one. And it's like, okay, that felt empty for the number two overall pick. Now look what he did in year two. So, Again, uh, I, I think you got to give Nolan Smith at least two more years here. Um, I, I think you got to give him an offseason, get used to the rigors of the NFL. But you're right, the, the depth just wasn't there. That's why I was I. It was a head scratcher to me when they got rid of Barnett, even though there were problems there uh, between Barnett, between the front office, between playing time. It's well, okay. Are you going to play Nolan Smith more? Well, you didn't really. So you played three guys, and it kind of bit you in the ass. So. Yeah, they're going to have to add more depth there. I don't. Yeah, I don't think the mistake was getting rid of Barnett. I think the mistake was bringing him back in the off season. Yeah, I, I would I agree had, with that. I would agree with know, that because yeah. you went into this season knowing that he hasn't given you anything in in years, and then yeah, you had to cut him, and you had no backup plan for any depth along that line. But we talked about it before you came on. This defense, you talk about lacking personnel, which I don't think they lack on offense. Defense. They severely lacked personnel, and that's. I, I I think us three could have went back there and, and well, I know us three could have went back there and given up the most passing yards and passing touchdowns in the NFL. So, I mean, pros do it. it. It's a shame too because there's a lot of guys in that defense I like. There's a lot. 
there's a lot of guys on the defense that have potential play. Man, it, it, it just felt like a leaky pipe all year. They were just trying to fix it, flex it, or whatever it was, and it wasn't working. That That's how that defense felt. Like, you know, they signed Zach Cunningham, they signed Miles Jack. Jack retires, goes and goes back to the Steelers later. It just sucks up the joint. Uh, Cunningham was fine, but, you know, as you guys saw last night, it's, it's he's not Zach Cunningham anymore. It's, it's, it's Same with Shaq Laird. And uh, I've talked to Shaq Laird enough. Like, he's just not the same guy. He just isn't. And he's got a lot to think about this all season, too. I, 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 I think he's ready to wrap up his NFL career just based on all his injuries and you know, other, other things. But, yeah, it's it's not good. They need to overhaul linebacker, cornerback, safety. I, I guess even with Reed Blankenship, because Sidney Brown's hurt, so you know, you know I don't expect him back at least in early twenty twenty four. So that'll be something. Um, edge rusher, if they need more depth. I, I really the only position you feel confident in, and again, is they bring Fletcher Cox back is defensive tackle. Let me ask you about one individual. I know this is narrow focusing, but I do want to do it because it makes a point on the Eagles, their roster, the coaching, what they get out of it. Going into last night's game, if they had listened to Bill Calarulo here on Birds 365 yesterday, they would have run the ball, run the ball, and then run the ball some more. That didn't happen. But it was a viable way to look at it coming into the game. They didn't do it. So if you're not going to do that, knowing that you got no A.J. Brown, was it mid-second quarter when Julio took the shot and he was done for the game? Yeah, after he caught the 14-yard pass. Right, It was a, but it was first half, so you got an entire second half to play. So you're missing your number one receiver. You're missing, realistically, your third best wide receiver. So you got Devontae Quez and Britton Covey as your wide receivers. We thought they'd play a lot of uh, two tight ends. They did. By the way, Joey, they don't play Britton Covey enough as they should. I mean, honestly, I... Out of yeah, you know, you you have no I'm idea. Just, you have no idea what Britain can, Covey can do as a wide uh, but those you don't. I don't. Do. The those Eagles players don't. Nobody knows do. whether he can do it. Uh, the quarterback thinks he can do Britain it. Covey. The quarterback does think he can do it. I'm just saying. Uh, the, who does they the quarterback? Who does the, the quarterback not think he can do it? Who who is Jalen Hurts ever said? Yeah, I'm not sure about throwing the ball to him. So I'm not giving I'm that. I'm just telling you, behind closed doors, they they think he can do it. Nice, behind closed doors. Uh, here's a guy who I at least saw make some catches during the year, and I think he's a good receiver, and he played one garbage-time snap yesterday. Grant Calcaterra, who was a draft pick. Granted, day three draft pick, but a draft pick, and a draft pick for a tight end who was supposed to be able to catch the ball. Is he that bad at blocking that they couldn't yeah. get him out there for more than one snap in a game where you're already missing A.J. Brown? In game, you lose Julio Jones, and Grant Calcaterra can only get one snap. Is that Calcaterra? Is that Howie Roseman? I know third uh, day three pick, but a draft pick, not an off the street free agent type, and or the coaching staff. How do you have a game when you're so desperate for guys who can catch the football that Grant Calcaterra can't get one snap in prime time? Or maybe give Jack Stoll a couple routes. Uh, again, I, I, I'm not sure. Again, this is part of my problem with how the Eagles run things. Do you want to run 11 personnel? If you want to do 13, 21, fine. But did you just abandon 12 personnel over the last couple of years? I Look, I, I know the way the league's trending. I, I understand that. But I know Jack Stoll can catch a football. 
I know Jack Solo has value on this football team. You just don't use him. Same with Grant Calcaterra. It's like, you're right, Joe. Is he that bad? Is he? I, I, I don't know. And that, that's another thing you got to fix. It's They just don't have the weapons outside of the talented guys, Brown, Smith, Goddard. People think they do. And that, that that's my issue. Uh, Omelize Kias, love the guy. Great guy to talk to. They did not play him much this year. They they, they didn't. Quez Watkins, they – look, every time Quez Watkins seemed to get the ball or get targeted, nothing good happened. They don't, they don't trust – well, at least during the game they don't. I know the quarterback likes him. I know a lot of offensive guys like him. He would have been probably an ideal person to go across the middle. But, again, they don't go across the middle. So, again, I it's just – I just don't see – talent or the coaching to get this thing to where they need to go with with their high-end players i just don't see it yeah i don't disagree with you that they need to upgrade the wide receiver three they need to upgrade their second tight end but it wouldn't have mattered in my opinion who the wide receivers were last night who the tight ends were last night they did not game plan for a blitz that we all knew was coming according to next gen stats the buccaneers generated 10 unblocked pressures last night tied for the most in the game of any defense this season. Ten unblocked pressures on Jalen Hurts. Now, we know Jalen Hurts has struggled against the Blitz. He doesn't trust his pocket. He exits the pocket right away as soon as he gets pressure. But they're not helping him out. And we talked about this before you came on the show. Every single player on that offensive side of the football, every one of them took a step backwards this season. So, yeah, they need to upgrade the wide receiver three. They need to upgrade their second tight end. But there's no reason why you're coming out against a Tampa Bay Bucks defense and putting up nine points. There's no reason why you're coming out. Oh, well, I can game. see the score of nine points because that, that's just – look, it's – Todd Bowles is a really good defensive coach. I, do, I, I knew he was going to blitz. They knew he was going to blitz. They don't have an answer. That, that's what I'm just trying to say. They didn't have an answer. They didn't have an answer all season. They weren't going to have an answer. Next. But I do think they have enough talent on offense. They didn't play up to their talent. I want to see them upgrade the positions we talked about. But even without A.J. Brown last night, they had talent to move the football. It's what they chose to do with it. And the one frustrating thing to me, too, is we talk about DeAndre Swift not getting the ball enough in the running game. How excited were all of us on that draft day trade that they're going to have a running back that can finally catch the ball out of the backfield? They're going to take advantage of DeAndre Swift out of the backfield in the passing game. He caught the least amount of passes of his entire career this season with the Philadelphia Eagles. That's why I just did not – I didn't understand why they brought DeAndre Swift in when they weren't going – they showed over the two years with Miles Sanders. And Miles Sanders was good – he didn't get the targets in college. He was good pass-catching back in college. He ran good routes. I don't know what happened there. The Eagles never targeted him. Kenny Gainwell was the same way in college. They just don't target their running backs in the passing game. That's all I'm like, yeah, I think DeAndre Swift in that. I like I thought they changed too, Bill, but history told me they weren't. Yeah, you're you're disrespecting DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift, he had a damn good year for the Eagles for the price that they got him. Uh he I was, don't think he's coming back. Uh whether he's coming back or not, he had a good year for the Eagles. They couldn't afford to keep Miles Sanders. They had to replace him cheaply, and DeAndre Swift did as much as he could have been possibly expected to do. And the thing about him not catching the passes, and this could be a major knock on Jalen Hurts. I just don't think he's good at throwing those type of passes. 
I don't think they have confidence to call those type of plays. I think he stinks at throwing the ball out of the backfield, uh, dump offs, call it what you want, uh, screen pass. I think he's bad at it, and they know it, and that's why they don't call those plays. And His that's third why and sixth back. ball to Kenny Gainwell is so predictable, too, but Gainwell just kind of stood all the way at the end and hurts. I don't know if he lobbed it. I don't know what. I mean, it wasn't going to be a first down anyway. They're, they're and that's, oh, man, was that a telltale play? Their D-back comes up and just drops Gainwell exactly right where yeah, he yeah. was. No yep. questions asked. Meanwhile, I can't have a chance anyway. backs are whipping it guys all night long as they're running yeah. by. I uh, see so you can do that ball. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4:55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. I'll do DeAndre Swift, and he probably would have only gotten one more yard. That, that's right. just how bad that was. He was wide open, and that's why Jalen threw him the ball, but uh, they did absolutely nothing with it. All right, Jeff Kerr, last thing we need a prediction for you when we have you back on again next week. Are we going to be talking about the fact that the Eagles have a coaching opening or that they have already hired a new coach or that Nick Sirianni is still the head coach of the Eagles? I know we'll definitely be talking about the offensive and defensive board. That's, well, that's I'm talking about the head coach. We'll get, uh, I know. We'll get I to know. The coordinators. I'm asking uh, you, you know what, Jody? Give, if you ask me that, you know, it's a good question. Uh, I think Nick Sirianni needs. I, I'll be honest, with you, I don't have an answer for you. You're not willing to commit. That's fine. Yeah, it, it, it's. I, I mean, honestly, I have a feeling you will be talking about a lot of coaching stuff on Burns 365. Right? Oh, the for next sure. Couple weeks. But we'll see if it's the head coach. Jeff Kerr, always a pleasure. Thank you very much for hopping on with us today. We'll talk again soon, brother. Yep. Appreciate you guys. Thanks. CBSSports.com, one of their lead. Uh, NFL writers, Jeff Carr here with us on Birds 365. All right, Calarulo and McDonald coming back in less than 20 minutes. Mike Tanya for the Messenger, formerly footballoutsiders.com, is going to jump in. And uh, I thought we should get a guy who writes about not only the Eagles, but a national perspective as well, um, just so we can compare what happened to the Eagles to everybody else, regular season into the postseason and like. And by the way, Bill Colorado, a quickie quiz for you before we go to break. What you got? Playoff games this past weekend. Wild card round. Who is the only home team that lost? The Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys. Every home team won this weekend. Extended weekend. Six games worth. Two Saturday, two Sunday, two Monday. The only home team that lost? The Dallas Cowboys. 
I figured I'd stick that in there just to make Eagle Pets feel a little bit better today when there isn't really all that much to it feel does good about. Joy, though. It does. It, it makes us feel just a little bit better. Yeah, Thank make, take a little bit of the edge off. Hey, uh, Birds fans, here's your chance to save up to 40% right now uh, from one of Jacob Sports' great partners. Here's what you need to do. Call Jim or Fran and Dell Valley Insurance right now. My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first. <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. EA 
GLES Eagles. Hour number two on a Tuesday edition, season ending Tuesday edition. Not the Birds 365 season. That goes all year long. We're not going anywhere. But the Eagles season comes to an end last night in a beatdown at the hands of the Tampa Bay Bucks in the wildcard round of the playoffs. Uh, so we're looking at last night's game. We're looking at the entire season in reverse. But we've also got to look ahead because it's going to be a telltale 24, 48 hours for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Bill Calarulo filling in for Johnny Mac today. Um, I'm really sitting on the fence. Kerr wouldn't even give me a yay or nay. Yeah, That's how how yet to be determined it is as to whether Nick Sirianni is going to be the head coach of this team going forward. I really do think I, I would not, we use this phrase too often. Are you shocked? I would not be shocked if he's fired. I would not be shocked if he stays. I really am that much on the fence about this because there are arguments to be made on both sides, a historic collapse that we have not seen here in Philadelphia ever before and even in comparison to the rest of the National Football League, the drop from grace has been precipitous, like we're not used to at all. But they were 10 and 1, and they were in the Super Bowl last year. Nick Sirianni made the playoffs all three of his years there so far. So you put it on the scale, it really does come close to about a 50 50 uh, toss up for me. Um, here's one thing eh, I, I'll make it a question for you first, Bill. What do you think will be the main determining factor that Jeff Laurie, he'll, he'll probably brainstorm with Howie on this, but at, at the end of the day, it's going to be the owner's call. What do you think will be the main thing that he will consider when it comes down to whether the head coach should go or should stay? I think he's going to talk to the veterans. I, I really do. You have Jason Kelsey retiring now. If I'm Jeffrey Laurie, I'm getting in a room with Jason Kelsey, and I'm asking him flat out what he thinks of this coach, what happened in that locker room. And if Jason Kelsey, and even if they want to talk to Fletcher Cox or Brandon Graham, some of these veteran guys, if they tell him that the team lost faith in Sirianni, that they don't believe in Sirianni, then I think you have to make the move. If it was – look, I keep thinking they need to move on from Sirianni, and the only thing I keep coming back to is this was – a tough spot, not making excuses for him because I still think they should move on. But if they take a step back and look and say, okay, the Super Bowl hangover that everybody was so worried about all offseason, is this what happens? You know, is this, is it tough when you start to lose games? You look through everything through the lens of can we get back to a Super Bowl? Can we get back to a Super Bowl? And then that pressure, does that get to you? I'm not buying that. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. But that's the only way I could see them maybe bringing him back is you talk to your veterans, your veterans tell them that it wasn't on Sirianni necessarily. But I'd be shocked. I would be shocked if the veterans put their support behind him. It just looked you like do. a team. I, I yeah, saw see, Hassan yeah, Reddick said the same thing. But did you see Jalen Hurts last night again? I feel like Hurts has had every opportunity over the last few weeks to throw his support behind Sirianni. And even though he may be doing it in a roundabout way, he's not doing it as strongly as I would have expected him to do. You know, you looked at even last night, 
They asked him about about Dick Sirianni, and his response is, "I didn't know he was going anywhere." Oh, yeah, it'll flip it. That that did not score points with me. I that you know. Was, so that... it's but even even a couple of weeks ago when they asked him about how AJ Brown came out and talked about how it was Nick Sirianni who took the heat on that. Yeah, he, he certainly backed his coach. And they and that was an opportunity for Jalen Hurts again to say. Yeah, Sirianni has our backs. No, what he said is, there's a lot you guys don't know. He's had his opportunity to support his coach, and I don't think he has. And you're not moving on from Hurts. So I I would talk to the veteran leaders. If they agree and they say, look, this guy has lost the locker room, I think you have to move on. Fair enough. Um, Here would be the tiebreaker for me, because as I told you, I'm literally at 50-50 that it could go either way. My opinion, the biggest downfall the biggest mistake this organization made and i i get it they were already starting to spiral when they made this decision but it just picked up steam and got worse thereafter when you replace a coordinator when your team is 10 and 3 and as per johnny mac he said that they started considering it when they were 8 and 1 and then they won two more games before they lost to san francisco and dallas and then they pulled the plug on uh, their defensive corner. That's just a stone-cold panic move. It paid exactly zero dividends. It got worse. Nick Sirianni, as the good company man that he is, stood up and said, this is my decision. This is on me. I decided we needed to do this. I've doubted it since that decision was made. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist. Maybe I got to get off the grassy knoll. But I don't believe Nick went to Howie and to Jeffrey and said, listen, I have to do this. We have You have to allow me to do this because it's what's best for the football team. The person who first suggested it, the person who was pushing the agenda, I think is the one who should take the grief for it. We've been told per Nick Sirianni that it was him. I don't know. Bill Calarulo doesn't know. Johnny Mack doesn't know. Howie Roseman, Jeff Laurie, and Nick Sirianni know. And if it was a Howie idea or if it was a Jeffrey idea, I think very unlikely it's Jeffrey. It had to be either Howie and or uh, Nick. If it was a Howie idea, I think that might be enough to save Sirianni's job. If Howie kind of pushed Nick into pulling the plug on Sean Desai, Jeffrey uh, Jeffrey will know about it. Yeah, that they don't. They won't be keeping that one secret. Um, if that was because that to me was the most egregious thing that happened during the season to pull the plug on your defense corner when you're 10 and three. I know the defense wasn't great, but it got worse putting Matt Patricia in charge. Sorry, eh, failure. If that was a Howie idea, it might be enough to save Sirianni's job. What do you think? Well, there's not a doubt in my mind that that didn't come from Nick Sirianni. And you look at Hassan Reddick's press conference a couple of weeks ago. You're more outspoken about it than I am. I, I'm honestly saying I don't know. Well, look what Hassan Reddick a couple of weeks ago, the same the same week that A.J. Brown spoke at his locker. That took all of the media attention. But what got missed that week was Reddick also spoke at his locker, and he was asked about how hard it was to switch over to a new defensive coordinator that late in the season. And what he said was the higher-ups – thought that we should do this and it's up to us players to be able to perform blah 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 didn't say Nick Sirianni 
the higher ups. I thought that was. Yeah, but you don't you don't think dumb. that's an educated guess on his part? You don't think he's got inside information? We also have. Let's look look at the facts. You have him saying that. You have Sirianni, and I know he said. The reason he did this was because he wanted to be able to tell his players. But he comes out at his press conference on Monday or Tuesday, and he gets asked about, have you considered making a change to the defensive coordinator? And not only does he say no, he goes on to say, I have complete faith in Sean Desai. That's why I hired him. That's why I brought him here. And then a couple days later, we get the report from Jay Glazer that they've decided to to move on. So I strongly believe it came from, from Roseman. And – you're right. That was a panic move. And what I think the message got sent to the team, and I said this when they did it, you had an offense that had all the talent in the world that was underperforming. You don't make a change to your offensive coordinator. You have a defense that extremely lacks personnel, and you change the defensive coordinator. And I think that sent a really bad message to that entire team that what the hell is going on here? Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson, who doesn't look like the offensive players have faith in, no accountability, no change, but yet on defense where Sean Desai, I'm sure, had the support of some people in that locker room. I oh, doubt yeah. every player didn't like Sean. What kind of message does that send to your team? And and I agree, Does is that enough to save Sirianni's job if it did, in fact, come from Howie? Maybe, but... It's just, man, it's it's an interesting few days that we got in front of us for sure. Now, Nick Nick is going to have to answer questions, and he's going to have to have answers if he can do a decent job in that meeting, and he is, because if history is any judge, uh, if he's wise enough to say, yeah, even though it's Howie's idea, wink, wink, nod, nod, Jeffrey, that we change Sean Desai, uh, I'm completely malleable with the way this coaching staff is going to be put together. Because that, that's one way to keep your job here in Philadelphia. Give the powers that be whatever they want to hear when it comes to putting together the coaching staff. If he does that and he's got some decent answers for how to move forward with this team, yeah, I think he's still going to be the coach of this football team. Um, I, I don't know that he's going to be able to pull that off, but I think his job is savable if Nick Sirianni does a good job with it. All right, we'll take a, a quickie timeout. We see that Mike Tanier. From the Messenger, formerly Football Outsiders, has already logged in and is ready to hop on board with us. I haven't talked to Mikey T in a while. Looking forward to it. Mike Tanya, up next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving up a, a good play calling along the way. First and goal at the six. field of life 
First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Birds 365 on the day after the Eagles season ended. With a thud and a beatdown at the hands of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the wild card playoff round last night. Here to give us an Eagle perspective, we'll probably get a little look from around the National Football League with him as well, because he covers the entire league for the Messenger for years. Local outsiders, our buddy Mike Tanier, whose beard is looking a little trim. You trim that thing? Yeah, I trimmed it by myself. So if you look closely, you can see I trimmed it by myself. And. <laughs> <laughs> A little, uh, a little tighter, a little tighter. Yeah, a little, little tighter, a little nicer. I can do the same butcher job on mine, too. Um, Mike, uh, for years we had you on when you were doing the number crunching thing with, for Football Outsiders. I think last night was a pretty good telltale example of the numbers are important, but they're not always truth-telling. Coming into the game for the season, the Eagles had the better offense of the two teams. The Eagles had the better defense of the two teams. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the snot out of them. Mm-hmm. That you have to look at what has happened most recently in the past. And the Eagles had sucked. And the Bucs had won five of their last six games. How the hell were the Eagles a favorite going into that game? You know, when I was talking to Aaron Schatz at FTN Network about the DVOA analysis, he pointed out, and he pointed out on our podcast, that if you wait for like the last five or six games of the season, I forget exactly how. The Buccaneers were the better team. The Buccaneers were the were the favorite, or the you know, the, the should have been. Yeah. So you have a public looking at this game and saying what I saw going into it. The Eagles are playing terrible football. The Buccaneers are an overvalued team. The Eagles should be able to take this game. That's that's what you said going in. If, if they if they write their ship in any way, they take this game, and then they go in and get the, the daylight speed out of them by the Niners or whoever else they would face in the second round. That's what I think Vegas looked at. I thought think that's what they were responding to the public looking at. If you really drilled into the analytics, 
you saw, oh my goodness, the way the Eagles have been playing lately, no way the Buccaneers are stronger right now. Yeah, I think in the last six games, the Eagles were a negative 59 point differential. The Bucks were a plus 38, but right. it still looked like they had the better roster when you looked at the rosters. But look, sometimes I think fans and, and even analysts, we get carried away with run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Yeah. This is 2023. It's the modern NFL. You don't run the ball necessarily as much as maybe you did 15, 20 years ago. But going into this game, knowing that Jalen Hurts had an injured finger, knowing that you're out your number one wide receiver in A.J. Brown, mm -hmm. knowing that your defense is not very good, mm -hmm. so maybe win the time of possession battle and keep them on the sidelines, did it surprise you that in the first half they only ran the ball five times and threw it 21 times? Damn time saying it still pisses me off to even hear those stats. It bothers me. It's stunning. And when you look at look back on when they were throwing the ball, they're throwing the ball in third and two. Where the, this is one of the best short yardage teams in the NFL. Is third and two, get your first down, and then then live another day. And but Mike, on third at, and two, you know, sorry to cut you up, but on third and two in that moment, if I remember correctly, they came out in an empty set. So yeah. there's not even a threat of running the football. I think there were a couple third and twos or third and shorts. One was an empty side. One was where Dallas Goddard is split wide. And we're going to pretend Goddard is A.J. Brown. That's how we're going to get around that being right end down there and throw it deep to him. And we can blame Sirianni. We can blame the offensive coordinator. We can blame Jalen Hurts. We can blame the, the soup of these things. Uh, what, what opponents figured out really in the second half of the year is a lot of the Eagles plays, there's a check at the line of scrimmage with Jalen Hurts. He has a run option. He has a pass option. Often it's a deep pass. Opponents have figured out you're going to deep bait the Eagles into the deep pass when you want them to by showing them a look where it's like, hey, it's it's man coverage with no, no high safety. Throw that deep pass. And Jalen's going to throw it. Or you can bait them the other way. It's third and 15. Hey, we've really put like, you know, cover four deep shell here. Run the ball. And opponents have figured that out. And, you know, that, that's a little bit on Jalen's line of scrimmage. That's the whole structure of the offense. You can bait the Eagles into doing what you want them to do by showing them the look that you want to show them. And I think – I didn't look at the film in any real detail this morning yet, but I think that's what was happening here where it's like, hey, throw it deep on us. And Jalen's like, okay, I don't have any receivers. My finger hurts, but okay, I'm going to do that. I'm glad to hear you say that because I've been saying it for the better part of a month now. Um, Brian Johnson in consecutive weeks – he does his Tuesday with the coordinators media thing two straight weeks in a row when asked about run pass ratio said, you realize that we have a run pass option yes. in almost every yes. play we run. Yes. And to me, that is, don't be looking at me, be looking at Jalen. Right. It's up well, to him. He's making a call. When we get to the line of scrimmage, he threw it under Jalen's feet as to why the Eagles call the plays that they play. <laughs> Jalen just not capable of making those decisions at the line of scrimmage. I, I think he is, but it's on the coaches to to talk about the structure of his decision process a little bit and say, hey, on third and two, we're going to take that away from you because you just run the ball. Third and two, don't make that decision unless you see this, unless you see A.J. Brown one-on-one -on -one with Emmanuel Forbes and then you take that deep shot. But otherwise, there's ways that you can adjust that. Yeah, he's a, he's a young quarterback to have that much decision-making process at the line of scrimmage. That's what I've he been saying. As of Thanksgiving, he was able to do it. <laughs> As of Thanksgiving, it was not that big a problem. You know, I, I heard Bill talking about the offense underperforming. The offense for the season was 10th in DVOA. 
The offense might have been unperforming, uh, underperforming to a degree, but it, it was a correctable situation. I would I would put it that way. Where if you you tweak the way you're doing things, that decision making by Hertz is not going to be a problem as a, a net problem. But you know, Troy Aikman said it on the broadcast last night, and it was mm-hmm. a really true statement, saying Emmett Smith didn't get the amount of rushing yards that he got because they refused to run the football with eight men in the box. So I understand you have these checks at the line of scrimmage if they come out with different sets, but I think Brian Johnson, Nick Sirianni, don't give them a run pass option. Tell them we're going to run the damn football here. We're going to go and lean on what we all said was the best offensive line in football all year. So don't allow him to check down to a passer. It was just a very frustrating game plan across the board for me. And and that's where the coaching kicks in because you can take away that and give it back. You say, hey, on the next drive, we're going to pound it, and then we'll put the checks back later on. Or in this situation, we're going to do that. It's not like it's 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 like pejorative. Like, Jalen, we don't trust you anymore. It's like, hey, in this circumstance with this team, for the next couple drives, that play, do not check out of it. Just run it, run it, run it. And then, oh, well, now that we got things working – now you've got your checks again. It's not an either or. You can do things like that. It's been odd that the Eagles, especially later in the season, when it came very clear, hey, teams are just taking away what they want to take away from you. They didn't like, like, you know, manage that situation better. All right, I want to run this one by you because you're the perfect guy. You're not there every single day, but you got a good gra- enough grasp on the way the league works and the Eagles in comparison to it. After watching last night's game something that I harp on. I'll use the word harp because I do. Now I'll get killed in the, the stream because I do harp on it. <laughs> the Eagles don't practice well enough. They don't practice enough, period. Then they don't practice well enough when they practice. And I know if McMullen were here, he'd go, Jody, they can't, CBA. I get it. I get it. They can't. We're not going back to the Vermeil days, two days and <laughs> uniform practice with pants every single day. That's not. I get that. But even within the structure and the rules they have in the collective bargaining agreement right now, the Eagles still take it light. They they, they emphasize the we're not going to get our guys hurt in practice thing. Uh, okay. How'd that work for you this year? Their tackling sucked last night. They were awful. They were terrible last night. And I'm sorry, I'm putting at least part on it. They don't do enough work during the year. They don't prepare well enough. They don't put enough time and effort into basics like tackling any chance we see a change in the Eagle philosophy this off season. I think we can, by the way, did you see how the Jaguars went out this year? Do you remember, remember Doug Peterson's practices when they held them? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's Sirianni the, does even less as uh, little as you say, Doug practice, they cut it back even more. That's true. And I didn't get to very much practice this year, but in previous years, like, oh, we're done. We're done. I'm not even sweaty on the sidelines. It was remarkable. And Doug was like that as well. And and, and you're kind of seeing that, you know, there's a way you can structure these practices. I have seen other teams, a lot of other teams practice across the league where you can get these like 90 minute to two hour practices in, and yet you can get some hitting in. They're sharper. They're crisper. I think under Chip Kelly, they were sharper, quicker, faster. Um, because it was so structured to get as much in as possible. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things they really should look at. Jaguars, too. That's why I, I went to that. Say, if we if we say practice is one hour and 45 minutes, and that might be a little short, are we getting this many reps in? Are we getting this many things in? Are we getting the drills that this team needs? Because I, I agree with you that late in the season, that was as big a problem as anything else, that this team just looked like they, they were not executing properly, whether it was tackling or, like, you're not in the right place right now. And that could have been solved on the practice field, whether in August or whether in November. 
Mike, before you came on, Jody and I were, were talking about the desperate move going from Sean Desai mm. to Matt Patricia, which turns out to be an absolute disaster. I remember when it happened, a lot of people were saying, including myself, well, it can't get much worse. Well, it did get yeah. much worse somehow. Yeah. And Jody and I were talking. Who made that decision, in your opinion? Was that Nick Sirianni's decision, or did that come from the higher-ups, Nick Sirianni and maybe even Jeffrey Lurie? It, it, you guys were talking about Howie Roseman. It's a little Howie Roseman getting that granular with the coaching staff. I, there's not been a lot of evidence of that in the past. Jeffrey Lurie coming down from on high, that's very possible. He's a little more of a, a, a culprit on that. It might well have been Nick. You know, Patricia, throughout his career, has had a way of getting these promotions. Patricia has a way of being on a team where things are falling apart and it's everyone else's fault but Matt Patricia. And I just say, how, did, yeah, how the hell does that happen? Isn't the it pencil. not 100% it's right? The pencil how makes him look smart. Those bullets? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I worked I worked for, when I was a teacher, I worked for the vice principal, I had the pencil behind his ear all the time. I was like, watch out for that guy. He's making such a show <laughs> of looking dizzy. But, but, but it's like that. Also, the last couple of years in New England, like these, he would go from department to department to department, winds up the offensive coordinator, and leaving this trail of horror in his wake. Yeah. And yet, like, the, the accountability was never with him. So however the decision was made, I, I'm with you. You guys were talking about it before. You looked at the size, like, uh, personnel, and it's like, there's not much this guy can do right now. There is no there's no nickel guy. Bradbury's not playing well, so there's no, like, number two corner. Linebackers are not good. It's hard to put it on him. At some point, someone decided to put it on him. I get a feeling it was Sirianni, and I get a feeling that the guy who got promoted was making a point to everyone who would, with an earshot of saying, I should be the guy doing this job. That's, that's tough <laughs> yeah. to uh, understand if you're asking uh, yeah. 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 All right, let me uh, – this one's going to be painful. Uh, Bill and I might have talked about this yesterday. I know you know Gary Myers well, longtime NFL writer, Hall mm. of Fame voter. Had him on my CBS show on Sunday. And after the Cowboys lost, the word started to at least kick around the league in league circles, and I talked about it on my show. Could Bill Belichick actually land in Dallas? <laughs> Could Jerry and Bill Belichick coexist in Dallas? And the whispers have already started here in Philadelphia. Before the Eagles lost to the Bucs last night, now they'll get even louder with uh, Sirianni's job sitting in the balance. Can Bill Belichick coach the Philadelphia Eagles? And I asked Gary particularly, if Belichick had his choice of jobs, which one do you think he'd be better suited for if uh, Bill Belichick called Mike Tanya and said, listen, I've got an offer from both the Eagles and the Cowboys. Which job do you think I should take, Mike? What would you tell him? I would probably tell him to take the Philadelphia Eagles because you could turn this team around quicker. And while Lurie has – will meddle. Lurie doesn't meddle in the way that Jerry meddles. Now, the one thing True. about the Cowboys job is Jerry for the first year – now, Jerry will, will, will call or has already called Belichick and, and will promise I will stay out of your way and make you GM. And Jerry will believe it when he says it. Jerry will pass a lie detector test because on that morning, sober as a rail, Jerry Jones will give him complete control. A year or two later, it'll be different. Whereas if you come here, there's going to be a conversation with Howie and Bill Belichick and can you guys coexist? And Bill Belichick might look at Howie and say, oh, I do like the way you make trades. Maybe we can work this out, et cetera. But I think this is a little bit of a moot point. Atlanta's already been on the phone with Belichick. That's confirmed. They're, they're, they're doing a lot there. 
if I believe the rumor mill right now, Bill Belichick is going to coach six different teams. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I still think that the front runners would be the Falcons. And I want to tell you right now, I thought if the Eagles won yesterday, the second front runner was going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that this was the Glazier family was looking to make some kind of move. If they had the, the, the safe Harbor to do it on Todd Bowles and they would have made that move. I think now you can't really do that. Uh, and I don't think it's appropriate for them to do it. But you look at Bill Belichick and we're talking about, upper management would he work with Jeffrey Lurie and Howie yes. Roseman or Jerry yes. Jones but the way I look at it is he just learned the hard way in New England mm -hmm. that no matter how good of a coach you are you cannot survive bad quarterback play yeah. he couldn't survive it I yeah. don't think any coach in the NFL can survive bad quarterback yes. play so why would Bill Belichick go to the Atlanta Falcons right. who's his quarterback Desmond Ritter People talk about maybe Washington Commanders. Does he have faith in Sam Howe? But I really think Belichick's decision is, do I have faith that Dak Prescott can win games in the playoffs? Do I have faith that Jalen Hurts is, in fact, the franchise quarterback? If that's, that's what I'm doing is Bill Belichick, because why go to a team that doesn't have a good quarterback? You just learned it doesn't matter how good your defense is if you don't have a quarterback. Then you go to the Chargers. If That's, that's your... what I think you should go, 1,000%. Right. I don't know that's the the lesson that he learned. I think the lesson he should have learned is I was surrounding myself with such bad people that I selected a bad quarterback and then stuck with him and stuck with him and stuck with him. So for, for, for Belichick, the only question is, am I going to put myself in a position where I'm going to get better personnel people around me rather than having all of my buddies and Patricia doing personnel? Am I going to get better offensive assistance? And when you ask that question, then you look at Atlanta and say, there's some structure in place. You would look at Tampa Bay and say, I actually know the GM there. I worked with him for a couple of years. And you could con conceivably come here and say, the structure that's in place to bring guys in has been good. If you're saying, all I want is a quarterback, then you go to the Chargers. The Chargers will put a lot of money in front of you. And then you have to rebuild an entire roster. Yeah, but, at 70, but at 72 years old, he's going to be 72 when, right. the, when the season starts. Yeah, Can he take a chance drafting a young quarterback and, and hoping that What's it's the right decision? What's the chance for Bill Belichick? What chances is he – his legacy is cemented. He's a first-bout Hall of Famer. He's got more money than – it's what his ego wants. And what, and what, he's like, True. oh, my God, I might not survive two years here. He's not, he's not like, you know, some offensive coordinator somewhere. He's going to go where he thinks, you know, he can win and where he thinks he, he's going to look good doing so. And that's a question he's got to answer for himself right now because, like, I think we've looked at it and say he might have gotten two different uh, lessons coming out of what just happened to him in New England. Even though um, Herbert is certainly the best of the lot of the quarterbacks he, on teams he, that need coaches. Is he? Is he? Of the teams that need coaches, yes. Who no. would you say would be better? No, he's not Baker a better Mayfield? quarterback than Jalen. He, Justin Herbert is not a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott. He proved that this year when he was healthy. He was not doing anything with that team. He's just got be he's just got internet cred. That's fair. Yeah, he's got internet cred. Oh, look at this highlight, Justin. You know, he, he wasn't here. He wasn't even in these playoffs with that team. Come on. It's hard and, to judge Herbert, though, because Brandon but, Staley was such a bad coach, man. He really was. He, here's, here's, the, here's the point I was trying to make. Of, of the teams that need coaches, the Cowboys yeah. and Eagles don't need a coach yet. Right. So until okay. McCarthy until okay. McCarthy or uh, Sirianni get fired, I'll Good point, Jerry. Fair, fair but, yes, yes. But um, here's my problem with the whole thing. Bill Belichick in Hollywood? Really? Bill's a lot of things. Hollywood is not one of them. I can't see Bella. Can you really see Bill Belichick in LA? No, I can't. And that's where I go around and around and around. It's like, I don't know if I can see him in Dallas either. 
I can see him in the East Coast. I can see him in Washington because he can move back to Annapolis, Maryland, right. and be happy hanging around, uh, you know, with with his with his Navy buddies or something like that. But one of the things we don't we 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 have this perception of Belichick. We don't know who he is right now because he's been ensconced in that bubble, projecting what he wants to project right now. Maybe he loves Hollywood. <laughs> maybe he, you know, maybe him and really? Jerry want to go in the back room and 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 drink scotch and do whatever they do together. We don't really know. That that would be wild. All right, yeah. like the collapse of the Philadelphia Eagles this year. There are so many different layers to it, and so many things yeah. you can point your finger at. And the panic of um, firing the defensive coordinator is one of them. But the roster wasn't good enough on the defensive side of the ball. I'm sorry, they neglected the linebacker position. Um, I thought the trade for Bayard, hey, I, I, I'd take a bullet, I, but doesn't mean I can't point out that Howie was wrong. Mm-hmm. It, it, all of a sudden, the bottom dropped out of Bayard, and yeah. uh, Bradbury went backwards as quickly as he did. Yeah, How much does Jeffrey question Howie for the job he did putting this roster together after his team went to a Super Bowl last year? It's hard because you have to go back to September and look at this roster. A defensive line that had 71 sacks last year, last year, and they managed to keep everybody. They managed to keep guys like Graham and Reddick and things like that. You look at the cornerback situation, you say, well, Bradbury and Slay play to their potential. You've got two right away. And then you look at the options you had at nickel, and you say, well, Maddox is still here. That's a reasonable nickel. Uh, they draft this kid, Ringo, in the later rounds. He was a starter for a, a, a great team. Uh, I don't remember when they brought Bradley Roby in. And Bradley Roby was pretty close to toast, but it's like – you know, as nickels go, that's 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 reasonable. And then you look at linebacker; it's like, well, you 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 got Dean. You know, you drafted this kid who people were high on. Um, so this defense did not look like. I mean, it didn't look like I guess the Browns' defense or whatever. But for a Super Bowl runner, run, you know, NFC Championship caliber team that had cap issues, this defense looked like it was going to be fine. It was going look like it was going to be a top ten, top twelve unit. And then you get these discoveries across the course of the year. And, and again, you try to solve the problem. You bring in Bayard. You do some other things to try and solve the problem. And it's just rolling. So you, you, you can question Howie, but you can't look at this and say, well, from, from get-go, this roster was not good enough to win. Because, that again, as of Thanksgiving, this roster was good enough to beat the Chiefs, beat the supposedly unstoppable Bills, and find ways to get things done. Yeah, I, I just – I don't think that you look at the defensive personnel. There, there were question marks this this offseason going in. I mean, I know a yeah. lot of fans were saying you can't ignore linebacker, and they did. You can't well, put all this on the Kobe Dean. He's only played thirty four snap, snaps, yeah. and they did. You can't ignore the safety position, and they did. And they tried to fill that role with guys that have been either notoriously injured or other teams yeah. let go. So I do blame Nick Sirianni a lot for what we saw on the defense, but. Mm-hmm. I also don't want to absolve the coaches because from the outside looking in, and I think we'll learn more over the next few days. Did you see a team that gave up on their coaching staff? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's the most emphatic. Yes. I've, I think I've ever given yeah. on a team giving up, except if we were talking about some three and 13 team in week 18, where it was clearly these guys are just going through the motions for, a, I've never seen a playoff team give up like this. Do you think that's because Nick Justice isn't good at rallying the troops? Bill made an outstanding point in the first hour that the Eagles in the first two years of Nick Sirianni didn't face a whole lot of adversity. Right. Two five start, 
he made a good decision. He turned the play calling over to Shane Steichen. And I give him major thumbs up for that because you get hired as an offensive-minded coach and you're a play caller. You say, I'm a play caller. I'm the best in the world. Seven games in, he goes, yeah, I'm I'm not doing enough as a head coach. Let me turn it over to Shane. I know Shane. I love Shane. I trust Shane. Boom, and Shane was great. But other than that, last year and a half, there wasn't really any adversity. When they're 10-1, and one, there's no adversity. First right. time they truly face adversity, uh-oh, the house yeah. comes tumbling down. Right. Can you point at Nick Sirianni and say, that's enough not to be a head coach and go, if you can't handle adversity, you can't stem the tide of adversity, is that enough to cost him his job? I, well, I go back and forth on this. He clearly made some bad decisions along the way. The snow, this snowballed very fast. I keep pointing out Thanksgiving, how fast this snowballed. Um, and he was both, I think, powerless to stop it and probably poured some accelerant, accelerant on it. Patricia, I think, was accelerant. Whatever yeah. was going on with A.J. Brown and that, that all looks like accelerant. And these are big mistakes. And these are big mistakes that if he's sitting down with Jeffrey Lurie right now, that he has to hold himself accountable for, talk about how he's going to change if he wants to keep his job. That said, you, you know, I looked this up to make sure, uh, you know, of the active NFL coaches right now who have coached more than 50 games, Sirianni has the second highest winning percentage. LaFleur and Green Bay has the highest Sirianni has it. Like it needed a little bit of a reminder right now that this is three straight winning seasons and a Super Bowl season against six weeks of a snowballing catastrophe that you failed to solve. And that's, a, that's an important thing to weigh because, you know, we consider sure. we want blood. This team quit. There's no questioning about that. Is what's behind door number two better than Nick Sirianni right now? And Nick Sirianni has a higher all-time winning percentage than, you know, Bill Belichick, Sean Payton. Obviously, guys who coach for many more years, and that's why it's lower. Tomlin, all these guys, isn't ready to throw that out. And my personal perception is that if he sacrifices his coordinators, admits his mistakes, and can go come, come forward with a plan to Lurie, then you keep him because I don't know if going out and getting Shane Waldron or somebody is going to solve the problem. Although they've done a good job at finding coaches. They they mm -hmm. have had a lot of success with the coaches they have brought in. But right. one, one of the stats, this was even before the playoff game that I thought was telling, is you look at the last seven games for the Eagles, they gave up 216 points in the regular season. Mm -hmm. That's the most they've given up since 2015. You know what happened right. in 2015? They fired Chip Kelly. Right. The only other time they gave up that many points over a seven-game span was 2012. You know what happened in 2012? They fired Andy Reid. Right. The last 11 weeks of the season, they gave up the most first downs, 237. The only other two times they gave up that many first downs in a 10-game span, 2012 when they fired Andy Reid, yeah. 2015 when they fired Chip Kelly. So you look at kind of the collapse, mm -hmm. and it's very reminiscent of the last – few games of both those guys' career. The one difference was those were losing seasons. This one wasn't. Is that enough to save series? Right, and, and that's interesting. And the other thing is I remember Jeffrey Lurie walking around the locker room on the Chip Kelly team and taking the temperature of the veterans and making the conclusion that way and doing something similar. I mean, I think it was weeks of the Andy Reid situation where, I mean, Reid was a much more legendary coach. And and, and there was a – and Lurie himself kind of looked around and, and, and said, "Where what's the temperature of the locker room? Sounds like the temperature of the locker room is like overboiling right now. But if Lurie gets a, that sense, I think he's a coach that will make a move. I mean, an owner will make a move a year quick sooner rather than a year later. He's shown that over and over again, even with Doug. You didn't mention Doug Peterson. It's time to do this now. He will make that decision if he thinks that's the case. 
I'm not 100% certain what he hears behind the scenes when he talks to these guys, if he thinks that's the case right now. All right. Scary thing for me, and for those just joining the stream, uh, Jason Kelsey apparently told his teammates last night in the locker room that this was it, that he was retiring. So that's one big uh, void the Eagles are going to have to fill. And we know the two other veteran guys, leaders of this team, Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, are also free agents. I'm assuming that BG will get a deal done. Because he's had a nice long career, made a lot of money, loves Philadelphia, doesn't want to go anywhere, wants to play 15 years. I think he'll he'll give him a team-friendly deal, and I think he's going to be back. Fletcher Cox, I don't know about. Because Fletcher almost always seems to get the money. He gets market value. And I don't know if it's a relationship with the organization or he's got a great agent, but he never comes in on a team-friendly discounted deal. And he had a pretty damn good season. He was, I believe, the most consistent defensive lineman the Eagles had this year. Hassan yeah. Reddick up and down. Uh, Josh went up and down way too long. The yeah. young stud uh, the oh, dogs from Georgia yeah. running out of gas at the end of the season. Shame on them. Milton Williams played well last night, but he's not Fletcher Cox. Fletcher was their most consistent defensive lineman. They're going to be hard-pressed to get him to take a discounted deal. We know he's seen the last of... Uh, Mr. Kelsey, have we seen the last of Fletcher Cox? Probably. Probably, especially the way this goes down at the end, where he can say, this is a little bit of a sinking ship. This is not fun anymore. And if he goes out there, someone will offer him two years with a lot of incentives to play on a, a on a competitor, you know, on a team that's closer to the Super Bowl. That's where it goes. And, you know, these are the leaders of the team. And But if the locker room has been as toxic as it has been in the last six weeks, where has the leadership been to a degree? So, and that's not to disparage Kelsey or, or Cox on the way out the door, but there might be a, there might be something to said for saying, Hey, we've drafted guys who are supposed to be their replacements over the last couple of years. And maybe it is time to move forward a little bit. Maybe all the voices in the locker room have not been in sync. And that kind of contributed to the snowballing problem. Yeah. It's an interesting point. I was listening to, to Ike Reese the other day and mm-hmm. he was talking about, Cox and Graham and Kelsey and even though these guys are veteran leaders that just like players start to tune out coaches yeah you players start to tune out these veteran leaders and he compared it to I'm going to mess up the analogy but he compared it to kind of like that uncle that you really respect but that once they start talking sometimes it's like okay here he goes again with the same story (laughs) yes 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 I think that's the case and you say well you know Jordan Davis you know running out of gas gaining weight at the end Fletcher Cox isn't on his ass for this, you know, that there's not like Brandon Graham isn't in there getting, and, and you're right. It, it can be tuned out or they can look at it and say, these young guys are tuning me out the heck with it. I'm just going to take care of what I'm doing right now. So it isn't the worst thing in the world to say, these guys have been phenomenal leaders, Super Bowl caliber leaders, etc. It's now time to say well, who are going to be the voices in this room. That's whether or not you're changing head coaches. Hi, Mike, last thing. And we appreciate you joining us. How much solace do the Philadelphia Eagles fans get to take from the fact that when their season went up in flames, there was only one home team that lost in the playoff round this week. Six (laughs) games, five home teams won. The only one that lost was the Dallas Cowboys, who once again appled up in the postseason. Is that any solace whatsoever? Was this just too much of a dumpster fire to even get joy out of the Cowboys appling up again? Take joy where you find it. Take joy where you find it. And I think that's a good one, that this is a team that 
is facing the same questions over and over again. And Eagles fans are like, what's this? What's this? When, when you talk about questions on the roster, Bill, and it's like, yeah, th- those are legitimate questions. When you're going around the league, I'll talk to Cowboys fans. Well, we have all these questions on the roster. I'll talk to 49ers fans. I'm like, we have questions on the rosters. Like, really? You do? Uh, every There is no perfect team. The Cowboys make the same mistakes over and over again. Eagles make different mistakes every year, except maybe for linebacker. The Cowboys make the same mistakes every year. And they're going into an offseason where we're going to hear Jared talking about Dak again. And we're going to hear them, you know, overpaying for C.D. Lamb. Although C.D. Lamb's great, they're going to still overpay for him. And talking about McCarthy again. And you realize the Eagles are going to try and make some changes. I don't know if the Cowboys know how to. Let me ask you. Do you think they're going to get an extension done with Dak? Or do you think they let him play play out the contract? Every time. Well, that's $54 million on the salary cap there. And every time Jerry does this, he complains. He'll criticize Dak in the media, which, I mean, most owners would never do. He'll, like, let all these trade rumors surface. He'll talk about, hey, you know, maybe I'm in the running for, I don't know, Kyler Murray, whoever, whoever, what crazy trade room, Russell Wilson. And then at the last minute, when it's too late, he will sign him for too much money. All right. The smart right. thing would have been, hey, get a discount, like, right now and get a two-year extension. Maybe you can do that. He will sign him for too much money at the end. It will be interesting. It'll be fun. The Cowboys have as long cold the winter as we are looking yes. at here in Philadelphia. And we'll be keeping an eye on both of them. And we'll touch base with Mike Tanner every once in a while to get his unique perspective. You can read him on TheMessenger.com. Mikey T, always a pleasure. Thanks for jumping in with us today, bud. You get it. Take care and enjoy the offseason. Keep, keep working on that beard. I know we both got to go get a haircut and let some professional do the work for us. But uh, always a pleasure, Mike. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. Mike Tanya here with us on Birds 365. All right, we're coming back. Uh, by the way, tomorrow, Johnny Mack will be back. I don't know if Billy's going to be in. Uh, I'm going to be out. Uh, my mother-in-law's funeral is tomorrow. Uh, so Johnny Mack will be back. I won't. But I'll be back with Bill Calarulo to put a bow on the show. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds.
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Both Mike Tanya and Jeff Kerr for jumping in with us today. Bill Collar, we will fill it in for Johnny Mac. He'll be back uh, tomorrow. I'll be out tomorrow. But then you get Mac and Mac back together on Thursday. Oh, and you're going to be listening to us all off-season long uh, as it begins a long, and I think it's going to be a labored off-season process because I don't know about you, Bill, but that's one thing that really hit home with me last night after the game. We thought that this was a potential Super Bowl team before the year started. I don't want to say I dismissed, but I, I I tried to keep it in a natural focus. The whole you can't get back to the Super Bowl after you go and lose. I just didn't buy that. I, I the, the history was what the history was, but I thought this team could be different. I thought they were legitimately going back to the Super Bowl. I told, I have said this many times here in Bird 365, I made three off-season wagers. For teams to go to the Super Bowl. I had the Eagles and the Jets. Aaron Rodgers, thank you very much. <laughs> I had the Eagles and the Jags. Yeah, Dougie P couldn't win the last game of the season. And I had the Eagles and the Dolphins because I picked those two teams last year. I said, if they get there this year and I don't bet it, I'm going to kill myself. So I had to put a little saber bet on Eagles. Eagles, Eagles, Eagles. So I absolutely believe they could get back to the Super Bowl. I bet that they could get back to the Super Bowl. They did not. I don't feel near as confident, and not just because they got their rear ends kicked by the Tampa Bay Bucks, but this entire collapse, and now objectively stepping back and looking at this roster, Howie Roseman's got a lot of work to do this offseason. This this is a team that needs major changes. They made changes last year, and I think a lot of it was dictated by making decisions on whether guys were worried, what their salary was going to be, and you only had so much to deal with under the cap. But they made value judgments, and too many of them were wrong. Sorry, Howie, that's on you. This is going to be a busy offseason. They, they need to upgrade a lot in this roster, do they not? There's a lot that needs to be done. I mean, it'll be a long offseason. It. The, the sadness of this will pass eventually and we'll get excited about the moves that they're going to make because they're going to have to make a lot of moves. We're going to have a draft again. We're going to have to see how these young players develop. But there's a lot that needs to be decided. I mean, there's a lot of guys that you don't even know who maybe aren't free agents coming up, but are they at the end of the deal? Do they move on? Are there trades? Are there things that can occur? 
You know, Hassan Reddick's a big one that I keep looking at. He's in the final year of his deal. What are they going to do with Reddick? They're going to have to probably extend him. So I know all the free agents that are out there on this Eagles team, but yeah, a lot that needs to go into this. And you talked about that Super Bowl hangover. I wasn't worried about it either because I thought they had enough veteran leadership and I thought that Sirianni had built a strong enough culture that they could survive it. And clearly we were wrong. So we'll be talking about the changes that need to be made with the Philadelphia Eagles starting tomorrow. It may even be the head coach. So we'll certainly be all over that. We will be back here. When I say we, it won't be me. It'll be Johnny Mack be back here. Uh, manana. Do you know if you're filling in for me tomorrow, Bill, or is I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I'm not sure what the plan is. Still to be determined. Uh, Johnny Mack will be back. He's coming back from uh, Tampa today. I'll be back here on Thursday, and then you're stuck with Mack and Mack for umpteen months before. Oh man, is this telling? As I look at my board right here, you know how many uh, listeners we had? Six hundred and sixty-six live streamers. Six six six. An omen for the offseason here. The devil is in the details, and the Eagles have a lot of details they've got to work out this offseason. All right, Bill Collarwood coming up next. He's got the power out for you. Bill, outstanding job by you the last two days. Thank you very much. Uh, It was fun, Jody. Well, it would have been more fun if the Eagles won, but it was fun seeing you. I was going to say, yes, uh, we made it as fun as we could, but we could only do so much with that effort the Eagles put forth last night. Uh, Billy coming up next with the Power Hour. Johnny Mack will be back here tomorrow. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, everybody. May we enjoy the offseason. We shall see. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.